Hey, I took a break, but now I'm back. My name is Hilton Price, and I'm an OK Geek. Guys, thank you so much. This is apparently not a weekly podcast. I know I'm as shocked as you guys. So we're going to switch up the release schedule a little bit. Going forward, you'll see new episodes probably every two to three weeks or as new content comes my way so that I can share it your way. If you don't know, I am one half of the uh, team running the OLA Ministries podcast network, and I am the co-host of a total of four shows, including Opinions Like A-Holes, The People Person's Paper Podcast, and Stories with Mom, alongside this little geek cast here. So I'm a little busy. Also got a day job. So unfortunately, I cannot maintain that schedule. So we're going to slide things back just a little bit so that I don't go insane and can still bring you guys some new content for your ear holes whenever I am able. This week, I am certainly able because I have seen the Super Mario Bros. movie, and I liked it. I liked it, you guys. And here's the deal. I uh, A little bit about me. I'm 43 years old. I have been uh, gaming with Mario uh, since I was in the single digits way back in uh, the uh, hallowed era of the 1980s. So I know this property, these characters, this world very well. And it paid off in spades seeing this movie. There is so many callbacks and little details meant to entice fans who have been with the franchise for decades uh, that the care shown visually is top-notch and really got to hand it to the folks over at Illumination and the folks at Nintendo who are overseeing this project to make sure that it will resonate with the fans so much. So uh, this is going to be a spoiler-filled review. So this is for folks who either have seen the movie or uh, do not care about getting details spoiled. And details, there's not much that you may not already know. Um, if you've been seeing the trailers at all, you know that Luigi is in Bowser's uh, custody. Uh, you know that the princess is, uh, has more agency than she might uh, on paper in a Mario movie. She is not a damsel in distress. The damsel in distress is our uh, green-clad Mario brother himself, Mr. Luigi. Uh, and uh, Peach, along with Mario, Toad, and uh, lesser known, um, uh, if you've only seen the previews, but Donkey Kong kind of become the team going to try and uh, put a stop to Bowser. We also spend quite a bit of time with the Kongs. We meet not only Donkey Kong, but Cranky Kong as well, um, and learn that there is a Kong army uh, and that really is part of the plot, the paper-thin plot, I will admit, uh, to this movie, is the idea about uh, Peach needing to take a stand against Bowser, trying to get the Kongs for help, and then essentially um, facing Bowser. The plot is very simple, but it really helps us focus on the characters and the settings to kind of create the world that I have to assume they have uh, the intention of making more movies in. Because why wouldn't you? Uh, these are companies, they exist to make money, and uh, this movie is making a buttload of money. So uh, sequels are coming, you guys. Also, in the post credit scene, uh, there is certainly a character who we did not get to spend much time with that is introduced, uh, our favorite lovable green dino, uh, Yoshi himself. Uh, so hopefully we'll at least get to spend some time with old Yosh in the next uh, installment. Uh, it was good. The cast was fine. Uh, the the lesser loved members of the cast, like Chris Pratt, who uh, unfortunately has put a lot of his um, spiritual and political beliefs uh, into the public sphere and is kind of gained, gained, uh, getting a little bit of backlash for that. Uh, he's also everywhere. Um, you know, he's doing the voice of uh, Garfield coming up. He was the voice of the guy in the Lego movie. Uh, and of course, you know, he is Star-Lord, uh, Andy from Parks and Rec, et cetera, et cetera. 
the guy is everywhere. So we're a little tired of Chris and all of his uh, blabbering, but he was fine in this. His Mario voice was fine. He 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 had a slight accent that I think worked. Um, Nintendo paid a little reverence to uh, the classic Mario voice actor Charles Martinet in the beginning of the film uh, in a couple of ways, which uh, not only had a chance to show him some love for the work that he has done with the character for decades now, but to also kind of have a bit of a passing the torch, which I think was needed uh, and was good. It was good. But Chris's voice is fine. Uh, the other mediocre element of the film vocally, uh, Seth uh, Rogen, uh, his Donkey Kong voice is fine. It kind of works with Donkey Kong only because Donkey Kong, the way the character is written, is kind of a, a youthful, sarcastic kind of guy. Um, it kind of works with Rogen's natural voice. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, I don't know how much she... Um, added to the peach voice but that was also fine but the real standouts uh in the voice talent uh are charlie day as luigi who sadly just didn't have enough to work with and uh my personal favorite keegan michael key as toad who really captured the voice uh, and had a fun energy who also just didn't get enough to work with and then of course the star that we're all hearing about again and again and again in all the reviews of this movie jack black absolutely kills it as bowser just an excellent performance and a fun story twist that kind of dipped away from what we saw in the trailers and showed, uh, kind of softened him a little bit, but then kind of still managed to add the kind of silly kitschiness that we know from Bowser in the games and, and the storylines that play out there. So a really neat job from the cast to get the most out of Jack Black, bring in a Bowser that we know from the games, and then still... Um, you know, keep things moving along at a pace that will keep kids involved, will keep parents engaged, and does not risk mistakes. Because that's what this movie does. That's the key thing here. This movie plays it safe. And because of that, it's good. It's not great, but it's not crap either. And that's really, this could have gone so bad. So we're very glad for this. Um, and, and hopefully uh, the security they have in the success of this will free them to do more down the road because there were some things where they did have a little fun um the character of Lumi uh in the uh the bowser's castle scenes there was some very adult humor some very kind of self-aware dark humor that was caught me a little bit off guard uh made for an unexpected uh some unexpected comedy and really shows that Illumination sees where they can have some fun with this once they have the full trust of not just the audience, but Nintendo. So this was good. This was good. It was not great, but it wasn't bad. And that's what we needed the Mario movie to be. This weekend, I've also watched uh, the sequel to Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, a uh, movie that came out several months back, uh, maybe even longer, but I just never got around to. And uh, why I bring this up, uh, not just so that I have an extra movie review to talk about this this episode, but because this was another example of where the first movie did exactly what it needed to do, uh, kind of made some mistakes, but and then this movie unfortunately made bigger mistakes. Sonic the Hedgehog did well because it didn't try to reinvent the wheel, it just kind of set Sonic in uh, on Earth in modern day and told a story about it. Um, it did introduce some new elements that were not needed, uh, something the Mario movie managed to avoid in that it created a whole backstory for Sonic that was kind of out of nowhere, adding creating new characters, and then in the human world, of course, having to create a whole side story 
uh, so that we're not just following a cartoon character around in the real world for two hours. In certain ways, it worked. The introduction of Tom Wachowski um, through um, uh, actor uh, James Marsden was uh, Oklahoma's own James Marsden was uh, a great addition um, to the cast in the first movie. But in the second one, he is wasted a bit. Uh, not only is the side plot with him, his wife and his uh, wife's sister and her fiance gets a little bit long in the tooth and kind of adds some unnecessary conflict it didn't really need. There's this weird scene with the the sister and the fiance that just you could have just skipped it all, honestly, and shaved about 20 minutes off the movie. But um, so it went too far uh, what, where they played it safe in the last movie and they thought that they could go in the same direction with what they played safe. They were going too far. So Sonic 2 is not great. Um, it has uh, some great moments. Uh, Knuckles by Idris Elba is excellent. And uh, Jim Carrey does an okay job. He's not quite as good as he was in the first one, uh, but they really lean into the look of Dr. Ivo Robotnik in this one, and they really lean into the look of his uh, mode of transport, his his uh, the, the robot at the end. There's a lot that really does work in tying this back into the games that we know, but at the loss of it being as good a movie. Like, I honestly, it was a two-hour-long movie, and coming on the heels of that hour-and-a-half Super Mario Bros. movie, which moved at such a quick clip that I very rarely felt bored. The only time I really felt bored in the Super Mario Bros. movie is right at the start of the third act. Um, and it was because it was kind of a, a repeat situation. And it, it played a trope of going back to the real world that I just didn't really need. I would have been perfectly happy letting them finish the fight in the Mushroom Kingdom. Uh, and I see why they did it. Uh, was because Mario had to prove himself to his family. Uh, but it, it just it was a little unnecessary. Sonic, I was bored every 30 minutes. Uh, it's a two-hour-long movie, and to, watching the clock, I noticed every 30 minutes I was, I was ready to turn it off. Uh, an hour and a half in, I ended up taking a 10-minute nap before I turned it back on. Uh, so it was um, definitely um, the lesser of the two. Um, and the thing about that is we really see um, the strengths and weaknesses in some of the behind-the-scenes choices, like playing it safe, you know? We see how it it kept the Mario movie from being even better, but helped it avoid some of the pitfalls we see with Sonic. So, uh, two very different movies, uh, neither one of them uh, uh, Oscar award winners, and neither one of them crap. Mario, by far the better of the two, uh, but you know that already. You know that already. Uh, I don't even need to go on there. So we'll move on. That's the end of our movie talk uh, this episode. Um, we're going to get into comics a little bit. Um, I'm behind on issues, so I'm not going to talk about much that I've been reading, although I'm still working my way through the TMNT Armageddon game, and it is still excellent. So I'd highly recommend picking that up. I'm also going back and reading some classic stuff. Uh, I've been going through Neil Gaiman's The, the Sandman, uh, which I never read. I know, I know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But I'm reading it now. Uh, and then, of course, going through Brian Azzarello and Cliff Chang's Wonder Woman from the New 52. This is about 11 years old, uh, but really great stuff and a, a really great uh, reboot for Wonder Woman uh, when the New 52 launched. Um, also, as I wrap that up, I'm going to be jumping to the current arc of Wonder Woman, uh, which I believe is Gail Simone. Uh, and then we're going to be seeing a reboot uh, here after uh, number 800. So 
Uh, you're going to see some more Wonder Woman talk from me in the months ahead. Uh, I have really been enjoying the big three over at DC and the current the current uh, the books for Soups and Bats, and I'm excited to get on Wendy. So uh, we are going to start talk. Uh, we're going to look at previews today uh, on the comic side, uh, and mainly DC and Marvel. I'm not looking at the small press this week, but really because there's a couple of things I want to talk to you about that have my eye caught over at DC and Marvel. The first one at DC is the upcoming crossover Night Terrors which is going to be written uh, by Joshua Williamson, uh, drawn by Howard Porter um, for the preview, and uh, Giuseppe Camancoli uh, for uh, the main um, crossover. This will be a multi-issue crossover, dipping into some of the greatest fears for not only our heroes, but several of our villains as well. I'm definitely going to read the main crossover, Night Terrors, the one written by Williamson. Uh, there are a bazillion uh, side stories, uh, Night Terrors, side books for Batman, Detective Comics, Nightwing, Poison Ivy, Catwoman, Harley Quinn, The Joker, Robin, Superman, Action Comics, The Flash, Wonder Woman, Angel Breakers, Zatanna, Punchline, Ravager. Uh, so you already hear where they're dipping into characters who you may not have necessarily think deserve spinoff issues, but I'm definitely curious to see where it's going to go. Uh, and I'll be reading the core crossover. And I'll probably grab a few of these spinoffs. Um, you know, there, there's the one for the Joker definitely has my attention. Um, there's one for um, uh, uh, Batman, of course, that has my attention. I'd be curious to see the Superman one. Uh, and then I'll probably look at writers for the rest um, to, to see, like, the, you know, Mark Wade is doing the Night Terror Shazam book. Uh, and I'm a big Mark Wade fan. We'll talk about him a little bit more here in just a few minutes. Um, so that one may be worth a, a chance to take a look at it. Um, so that's uh, Night Terrors for sure is something that I'm going to be jumping on. Uh, speaking of Mark Wade, <clears throat> he's got a new series coming out called World's Finest Teen Titans. His World's Finest about Batman and Superman has been an excellent, excellent read. Mark Wade is one of the most consistent writers in comics. You are almost guaranteed a good time picking up a book with his name on it. This was true for his iconic run on the Fantastic Four. This was true for his even more iconic run on Daredevil. Uh, and it has been true with the work he's doing in DC Comics. It was true with Batman versus Robin. It was true with World's Finest. And I will 100% be on this World's Finest Teen Titans number one when it comes out here uh, in, in two months. Uh, because that's... It's it's a guarantee of quality, and I, I see no reason why I shouldn't uh, shouldn't be guaranteed quality. Something else I've really enjoyed have been these no these um, novella series, these short story collections uh, that really play with the art style. It typically will be called black, white, and blank, and it will usually involve a single color. Um, we did a black, white, and blue with Superman. We did a black, white, and gold with uh, Wonder Woman. Uh, we did a black, white, and red with Harley Quinn, and now we've got Harley Quinn black, white, and redder uh, coming out uh, with original stories from writers including Chip Zdarsky, Leah Williams, Paul Shear, and art by Kevin McGuire, Natasha Bustos, Tom Riley, and more. Uh, I've, I enjoy anthology series. I enjoy series that highlight uh, unique elements of art. It's why I'm on the Darth Vader black, white, and red that starts this month, uh, and it's why I'll be jumping uh, probably on this one as well. And, and and honestly, most of the time when I see these black, white, and blank series coming out, I'm going to be grabbing them because nearly every episode or issue that I've read has been good, and and, and I like good. I look good, so I want to do, uh, do more with the good. Uh, and then finally, over on the DC side, one more book I want to talk about, and it goes back to that writer Mark Wade that I'm a big fan of. He has got 
a black label limited series called Superman, The Last Days of Lex Luthor. And it's a story about Lex Luthor coming to the end of his life and steps the Man of Steel will take to save him. Besides Wade on the writing, this one has a name that I am very happy to see back in a comic book, Brian Hitch. If you read comics around the early 2000s, you know Brian Hitch from his work uh, with the Ultimates. Uh, Later, he did the Age of Ultron crossover in the main Marvel Universe. This is about 10, 15 years ago. Uh, And everything he touched always looks amazing. So I am thrilled to see him on a new book and to have Mark Wade writing it is just uh, even more sign that it's going to be something good. That's all I've got on the DC DC side of things for you today, but I've got a few books over on the Marvel side that I want to talk about as well uh, because Marvel has got some good stuff coming. And holy crap, Brian Hitch is back uh, because he's also got work. You know, here's the deal, guys. Brian Hitch is not the fastest artist, so the fact that he's got a book at DC and a book at Marvel at the same time, mildly concerning. But we'll see how it goes because this is Ultimate Invasion. Um, I'm definitely on board for this. The Ultimate Universe is one of the things that got me into comics uh, in the early 2000s. And although it has definitely been regarded with less uh, love over the years as the cringy elements, uh, the kind of gross offensive elements have really come to light. But this story where the Ultimate and main Marvel Universes will cross over uh, for some kind of incursion is certainly something I want to see. Um, and uh, to put a bow on those stories is will be great, uh, especially for readers of a certain age and ilk like myself. So I'll definitely be on for that uh, as Ultimate Invasion number two is solicited. Blade's got a new series coming out uh, from writer Brian Hill and artist uh, Elena Casagrande. Uh, Blade number one looks pretty good. I'm not a big Blade guy, so I don't know if I'm jumping on this. Uh, but I will. I wanted to keep you guys uh, in the know about it. And with the uh, film now in production with Mahershala Ali, Blade is going to see uh, more and more attention. So if you're a Blade guy, if you're a vampire guy, if you're a horror guy or girl or they or whatever, I don't care. Uh, but if those are the stories you want to read, uh, check that book out. Uh, I have been enjoying the current uh, run of Hulk which is very dumbed down uh, on the heels of the Immortal Hulk run from about a year ago. But the new Hulk run is not being loved. So it looks like it's getting a reboot, and we're getting a new Incredible Hulk written by former Superman writer Philip Kennedy Johnson. Uh, And I'm going to probably jump on that as well, because I've definitely been enjoying the Hulk overall. I'm currently reading the current season um, uh, in floppies and uh, Immortal Hulk digitally, and enjoying both of those. So I'm a Hulk guy for now. Not always, but I'm a Hulk guy for now. So... Uh, what else is going on? Black Panther's happening. Loki's happening. Moon Knight is happening. There's a new Moon Knight crossover. City of the Dead, excuse me, Moon Knight limited series called City of the Dead coming out uh, with really pretty art. Uh, but the next thing that's really catching my eye is uh, we've talked a little bit about Captain Marvel. I'm a big Carol fan. And the current Captain Marvel run with Kelly Thompson is coming to an end with issue 50. Great, great job from Kelly Thompson uh, and a small stable of artists building up Carol, uh, her group of side characters, and and putting them all in some fantastic adventures. I am very sad to see that go, uh, but I'm very excited about what's coming next. Uh, Anne Nascenti picking up her pen for a a miniseries called Captain Marvel Dark Tempest. Uh, And uh, I will be on for all five issues of that. 
Uh, also, some cool variant covers. Uh, I'm really excited about the Hellfire variant cover where Carol looks amazing and a fun uh, cartoony variant cover by Rose Besh. So good stuff coming there. And I'm not a big X guy right now. I'm not reading a lot of the X books. Uh, the Krakoa era seems very cool, but it's it's very, very, there's a lot. And I just don't, I'm not looking to get that deep in the X-Men right now. Uh, wouldn't mind a crossover. Uh, wouldn't mind something that harkens back to a classic story. So this X-Men Days of Future Past Doomsday, number one of four, limited series, looks good. Going back to the Days of Future Past world to show what led to some of the circumstances that Wolverine and Kitty first discovered uh, when they uh, when, when, when Kitty went back uh, the first time. So in lieu of reading the end of the Krakoa era, which is starting now uh, with Hellfire Gala 2023 number one, um, I am uh, might pick up this, this miniseries so at least I can get a little bit of the X-Gene in my life. Uh, aside from that, uh, that's really all that's really catching my eye. I'm going to stay on most of the books that I'm on. Uh, I did an issue looking into some of my poll list uh, an episode or two back, so if you want to get into that. Uh, but some of the real standouts that I've been enjoying are, of course, uh, Chip Zdarsky's Daredevil, uh, Jed McKay's Doctor Strange has been great, Ryan North's uh, Fantastic Four, uh, Steve Orlando's Scarlet Witch has been excellent. Uh, like I said, it's coming to an end, but Kelly Thompson's uh, Captain Marvel has been wonderful. Um, and yeah, and that's all I got for you this week. You guys, I appreciate your patience as we took a little bit of a hiatus from the show. Uh, I can't promise that I'll be back next week. Like I said, I'm going to be back in two to three weeks, uh, when I have something else to say in the meantime. Uh, feel free to check out the other OLA Ministries podcasts, like Opinions Like A-Holes, The People Person's Paper Podcast, Stories with Mom, Maximum News, Podcasting to Perfection, and Binge with Terrell Norton. We have so much content for your ear holes. And as always, thanks for hanging out with me for a little bit. We'll see you next time, guys.